We want to say shout out to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, 1812 Barbecue, Webmerized Website Design, Blue Collar Motorcycle Shop, and Hook, Line, and Heroes. Without you, this episode would not be possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy, and you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from beautiful Concord, North Carolina. We got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to the team. Of course, I'd be your host, Biggin, and how about you? To my left, your right on the radio dial is producer Brian. Hey, guys. And, of course, across the way, it's the pride of Anderson, South Carolina. But most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's honorable mention Time Magazine Person of the Year, the inventor of the supposed redneck egg roll. Give it up on old night number one. It's Mojo! You know what you call a, uh, you know what you call a uh, shaky javelin thrower? I do not know. Shakespeare. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. You can find us on our website at southernfryphilosophy.com. You have playable links there. <laughs> Sorry. I'm you still... just now got that. Yeah, I'm just, just not sinking in. Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. You can, you can find playable links there. And uh, yeah, you can do those at work. And we are work friendly for the most part. Um, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Southern Fry Philosophy. Anywhere you listen to a podcast, just go there. Hit Southern, Southern Fry Philosophy. Hit like, subscribe, give us a review. We really appreciate those mm-hmm. reviews and the subscri- uh, subscribers. Um, you get air- uploads every week on Monday for new, new fresh uh, content from the previous week. You can also find us on the Twitters and Instagram, SFP Radio. I think I've been banned from Twitter finally, so I, I can't <laughs> get on there myself. Nailed it. <laughs> also, uh, yeah, just go to our Patreon link also, patreon.com forward slash SFP Radio. And also, we want to give a shout-out to our friends at States Vegas Radio. I kind of forgot to do that, so thank you guys for playing us. We are on the air Monday at 6 o'clock and Friday at 4 o'clock for your drive home. So thank you, States Vegas, for uh, playing us on the show. Uh, We also want to say a shout-out to our listeners from Jackson, Jacksonville, and Jonesboro, all brought to you by the letter J. How about you? Um, We want to do a fact check and a follow-up. From last episode, and I did do some hard-hitting research and found out that Corn Pop is still a bad dude. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> you could drop that all day long, and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, it's ready to go. <laughs> it's on demand. Corn you know, Pop I, on demand right now. I just wish uh, Joe Biden, uh, no malarkey, uh, would have had a uh, 40 in a brown paper bag <laughs> while he was saying that. Because, uh, you know, that's what... Uh, uh, Sister Pete Mayor, or Mayor Sister Pete did. He, uh, uh, had, yeah. a br- he had an old Brown Betty uh, <laughs> koozie on his uh, malt liquor when he was doing a Vice video. How about yeah, you? Yeah, so I wish that would have that given him a little bit more street cred. Yeah, sure. Uh, we want to say shout out, or uh, we, got our, <clears throat> we got our upcoming guest, Marty McFly, next week, and uh, Dave from Boljet.com. I know we've talked about that a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, even before the show. <laughs> If you do it in the southern 
dialect, which I wish you would do for us. It almost sounds like you're saying a curse word. Bullshit. There you go. Yeah, I think um, here in the South, we have a mix of dialects. I mean, North Carolina has probably 20 distinct dialects from the, you know, the western side of the state where mm-hmm. you have the Appalachian Mountains, you know, moonshiners to uh, here in our area, the foot, kind of the foothills, I guess, to the eastern side where you have, uh, yeah. Say it nicely. Yeah. I mean, I love our eastern North Carolina guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you get great barbecue, seafood, but man, some some of the sections, dialects, you know, even as a southerner, I have to open up my Google Translate to <laughs> sure. see if I can find out what we're doing here. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. one of the great things about the South is you have South and you've got like deep South. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when, yeah. when they add the marbles to the mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. Uh, what was the the movie with Adam Sandler? Um, the oh, football one. Come to no-no. That guy. <laughs> Waterboy. Yeah, that one. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, we're going to have uh, Marty from BullJet.com. Uh, part of the reason why is because— uh, Dave. Dave, yeah, sorry, sorry, Dave from Bulljet.com. Um, part of the reason why is Kentucky has made it to the Belk Bowl here in Charlotte. Uh, as previously noted on the show, I'm a huge Kentucky basketball fan. So part of it is so that maybe I can get some tickets to the game. I'm really excited about that game. Hey, I, I, I do not knock your effort. Mm-hmm. Um, just like as an avid Duke fan, I would probably do the same thing. Sure. So I, I admire... And what do we have to do to push you over that limit? I'm 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 good with that. So <laughs> I've also reached out uh, to the folks at Bowl at um, sorry the Belk Bowl to see if I can get media tickets. Oh, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen either. But mm, oh, well. yeah, do podcasters get into TV events like that? Mm, right? No, not at all. <laughs> you know what? If we would have actually went to that Trump event or the GOP, we would had street cred. Actually, <clears throat> I did put in a request for that again this week. So we might we might hear back. Hey. That'd be fun. Um, part of the reason uh, that we're going to play this next clip, I always ask you how you be doing. I'm going to tell you how I'm doing today. Uh, I am a huge fan of Kentucky Sports Radio. That's also been documented on the show. Um, they were talking about coming to Charlotte, and they were speaking specifically looking at the Charlotte Tourism Board of what they can do in Charlotte while the KSR crew is here in Charlotte. I sent them a tweet, um, and so you'll actually hear that. We did get a shout-out from one of the number one talk shows all across the United States. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. Producer Brian has got that queued up ready for us to go. Uh, SFP Radio, which is Southern Fried Philosophy, Drew, has tweeted us, the Charlism Tourism Board doesn't have it listed, but it's also close to the home of SPF Radio Podcast. We have an open invitation to come on their show down in Charlotte. Uh, they, I see the word gravy in their bio, so I don't need to, I need nothing else. Oh, I, I need, need to, to read that. Southern perspective on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. That sounds like a great show to me. Ah, uh, it's we're going. So, yeah, that was, that was, I, I was really excited that we got a shout out on Kentucky Sports Radio for that. Yeah, that's probably the radio station you listen to the most, right? It, it is 100%, yep. And I did reach out to Ryan. They're actually not going to be here in Charlotte because of logistics or whatnot, but Ryan did say that he would love to come on the show just to talk and uh, give us his perspective on sports. And then he's also uh, an adoptive father. Oh, right? oh, he's cool. adopted some fa- some kids, so it would be cool to hear his story as well. So anyway, so that's how I've been doing. I was really excited to hear that. I was actually able to get on the show again today 
to talk about weird things. They were talking about some um, <clears throat> some things that you might do. And I, maybe I can ask you guys, what are some just weird things that you guys do uh, in, in, in life? So here was the example that Ryan was using, and I also do the same thing. Uh, sometimes, see, I got this creeper mustache that's starting to peak up. My wife will not kiss me while I have creeper mustache. And so one of the weird things I do is when I realize, uh-oh, I've got creeper mustache and I'm in the shower, I actually go for her razor. Uh... And I just use that just to get this top part off. I know that's weird. I get it. Because you want to, like, rip your skin off your lip. Well, no. The jagged glass, like, those things are... Well, she's got she's got the really silky smooth, like... Yeah, but they, you use, like, one a day on those things, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you're, like... Cutting off like that's no. coarse hair down there. You know? It may be, but the thing is, <laughs> the doll fast. What I'm saying, <laughs> her razor, his razors, her razor's got um, the 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 glide on the top and the bottom, mm-hmm. so it makes it really tough to get up oh, yeah, to the nose part. Yeah, you can't get up there. Yeah. But at least I get some sugar after I'm done with it. Mm. So she's like, "All right, I'll, I'll give tell you what, because of that, this is how you fix it. Just mm-hmm. buy you a, a cheap safety safety blade, sure. single blade. Okay, that's what I do, and I buy the refillable." Uh, Single, just a, the old old school mm-hmm. single blade things. Those give me the best shave. Mm. I bought a hundred blades from Amazon for like six bucks. Mm. Mm. I mean, of course, I don't shave every day because I, I I'm still waiting for my beard to come in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, it'll last a while. Mm. So, well, the, yeah. uh, my razor. I may spend a little extra money on razors, but uh, I'm bald. For those of you guys who can't see me. And uh, by, I just by in choice. my head, I was like, "What are you shaving?" <laughs> I'm shaving my head. So I have some. I have nice razors. So, okay, but on the one side they have what's called a detail razor, so it's a single blade on the back side, mm. so I can flip it over and get like. For me, it's like around my ears or something. But okay, that's what it's made for. Is your creeper mustache? Maybe. Speaking of weird things and hair, um, so a friend of mine named Kevin, and hopefully he listens to this episode. So he <laughs> he was listening to our podcast, and he, he kind of was reflective on some nose hairs. No. So, yeah, mm. he was talking about how you never, he, he's, he says he's never in a convenient position to actually remember to pluck them. Right. Because at our age, it, they start ear hair and nose hair just all over the place. Yeah. Back just, hair. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, honey, can you, it, can you shave from my here. N- uh, back yeah. sweater tonight? No, oh, <laughs> the back sweater. So, uh, yeah, so he, he just said that, you, but you know, when you're driving down the road with your wife in the car, all of a sudden you remember it. So <laughs> he, he, he will, that's his kind of his nagging obsession, and I do the same. Well, she's gonna reach over and do it for you, right? No, when you're driving well, or something. No, my wife will do that. Yeah, with my ear hair. Whoop, but um, ow, yeah. But it, he's you know he'll he, his wife doesn't realize he's doing it. He'll just yank a bunch of them out oh, yeah. while he's driving. So mm. I kind of why are your I, eyes watering? Yeah, and sneezing too. <laughs> I do that when I'm trying to stay awake. If I'm driving and it's late at night, I'll just pluck those bad boys and oh, that'll do. That'll it. help wake you up. Yeah, and you'll sneeze, have a sneezing fit. One hundred percent on that too. Yeah. Uh, so Mojo, how you be doing? I'm good. Just uh, the weather can't, just like in the South, man, just, you know, we never know with the weather. So Just like a teenager, can't yeah, make up her mind. 60 you know, the other day, now it's cold. We got freezing rain in the uh, forecast for tomorrow. Do we really? Yeah. How about you? They're already salting yeah, the just, roads Just north of here, yeah. Yeah, they're salting the hmm. highways uh, earlier on the way home. So Now, yeah. when you listen to this episode, it'll be 64. You know? Oh, yeah, we'll be, we're, we'll be wearing <laughs> shorts. Our, our shorts on Christmas or whatever, but uh, yeah, just... Other than that, we're good. Um, yeah. Where my shop is in Salisbury, it's just always fun watching the locals. So mm. I'm trying. I, I was going to do um, uh, what? What in the Salisbury is this? <laughs> uh, <segments. laughs> what in the bull jets going on here? Because <laughs> uh, I have some interesting feedback. 
<clears throat> but my wife doesn't want to offend the locals there. Well, they're not listening. I can guarantee you that they're not listening to the show. Well, <clears throat> I we'll see. I I I've sent some golden material. Do you have stickers the, all over the front of your shop door? <laughs> I have some, yes. <laughs> <clears throat> but I've sent uh, some of my material over to. Uh, there's a website or a Facebook page called the Salisbury Meme Team. So uh, <clears throat> I'm hoping to see some of that stuff pop up because it is good humor. I mean, like local guy there had a pet goat for a while. Um, and, <clears throat> wait, yeah. excuse me, a pet goat? Pet goat. Okay. Oh, uh, so one of my locals, and actually I give him some work every once in a while when he comes by, but he had a pet goat and he <laughs> would walk this thing down the street. So that sounds like a sober thing to do. The, but unfortunately, the, the, the goat's now gone. The goat has now been harvested for a local <laughs> restaurant. Mm, so, yeah. And he, he he was a little sad and upset about it, but sure. you know uh, he was watching it for a restaurant. So yeah, he was, wait, he was watching it for a restaurant. He was watching it for a friend who owned the restaurant. So there's speculation. <laughs> I'm, I can't say emphatically that the goat ended up on the restaurant menu or it ended up in the you know the restaurant owner's house as a personal consumption. Okay. But the pet goat is no moss. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Well, that sounds fun. I think now I want a pet goat. Well, Brian? I mean, yeah, if we can put it on a spit and barbecue, I guess it'd be good. <laughs> yeah, let's try good. Producer Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, um, I was going to talk about Krispy Kreme, and then uh, social media blessed me with something today. Oh, I just have to share. Come on. Um, yeah, so I got, we have a lot of multimedia or media stuff going today. I got a bunch of clips lined up, so this just kind of fits in with the theme. This landed in my lap about 30 minutes ago. Oh, boy. So I'm just going to play this for you, and you can okay. react to it and tell me if it sounds familiar. I was trying, and then everybody was just <laughs> beating me like this. I was like, yeah. You went through a tunnel? Yeah. And then, and then I woke up, and they said, you're dead. And I said, okay. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> then, uh, I hate my wife. <laughs> you should give us a little so, backstory on so, this. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really use Facebook very often. But I was at dinner with mm-hmm. uh, my wife and daughter tonight, and she goes, your wife posted mm-hmm. this thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. and she she just handed it to me. She should listen to this, and, yeah. and it's it's big and coming out off of anesthetic or anesthesia right. from oral surgery or mm-hmm. something. Out of my wisdom teeth, pulled. yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, mm. I won't play it again. But I, I just it's <laughs> you know I just about fell out of the booth in the Chinese <laughs> restaurant. I'm just saying, but this is the exact reason that I will not. I always do local anesthetic when I get anything done. Oh, mm-hmm. I can do tell you not stories. knock me out because of modern technology. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Like what I kind of what, what I'm going to say? I am yeah. terrified. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even filter. I just don't you know what deep dark thing in my back of my brain I'm going to start <laughs> spitting wow. out. Who knows? I don't know. I don't trust my own uh, huh. uh, conscious, subconscious. Yeah, in in the. That sort of state. Keep in mind, that's one of four videos that she's holding hostage. Um, Ooh, I can't wait for the other. Yeah, so, 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 like so the stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> this will pay off in four years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, it is. Man, it was. It was one of those moments where, like, I just didn't care. I know she was filming me, but I just, I didn't care. Yeah. But um, you, you, you have no um, inhibitions or whatever. So right. I'll have to. Uh, I, next time my wife stops in, I'll have to have you. Or share you the story of my endoscopy colonoscopy Ooh. story because they they give you some heavy sedatives there, and mm. uh, yeah, I yeah. pretty much embarrassed her and had my dad who, who's who at the time was just peaking on seventy, 
or yeah, close to 70 embarrassed and laughing, <laughs> their, you know, their tails off. So mm. speaking yeah. of Krispy Kreme, I'll tell you an okay. embarrassing story real quick. I just got to share it to purge my, purge my soul. Come on. So yesterday I'm at the shop and all of a sudden a gentleman comes in with a box of donuts, which he had me at donuts and a thank you card. And mm. I'm like, okay, cool. I, maybe it's just, you know, like a, one of these local reps trying to hawk insurance or something. They you know, kind of bring a little welcome thing or whatever. Anyway, so this guy um, goes on and on about how they really appreciate our donation to a Christmas toy drive. Now, keep in mind, we did donate to this drive. I had no clue what we donated. I donated money <laughs> to make purchases on our behalf because I don't have time. So as I'm, I'm sure he could see the dumbfound look wash over my face <laughs> as he's thanking me for the generous gift of multiple bicycles. I'm what? Just, Wait, what? Yeah, I mean, motorcycle shop, bicycles. Anyway, so I'm I'm just, all I can do is say, you know, you're welcome. That's awesome. That's great, et cetera, et cetera. I just didn't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> you need I, to clarify yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, he was so excited that I didn't want to say, sir, I have no clue what you're talking about. And plus, he yeah. had a box of donuts. Were I you went, the wrong line sure. on the spreadsheet or something? Is that- <laughs> oh, I don't know. You hope so. So, you know, uh, plus, he had donuts. I'm not going to be like, I'm sorry. And then yeah. walk, out with, well, walk out with donuts. <laughs> you realize that that box of donuts may may cost $4 maximum, and you're about to give away $10,000 in bikes? Yeah, but still, you know, I, I <laughs> so I, I, after he left, you know, I read the card, and I'm like, oh, man, this is just something ain't right here. So sure. um, I put two and two conversations together. I talked with another small business owner there in Salisbury, and he had made a social media post with, our, our shop you know, mm-hmm. just kind of promoting it on instagram and um i guess the people that receive the donations that are gathering the donations must have put two and two together that we did it that our shop donated these plethora of bicycles so i, I i've been trying i tried to track down you know the company and stuff and finally i tracked down the company um actually made a mistake i actually went to the local bicycle shop there and i thought they donated the bicycles they're like no we have no clue what you're talk- talking about mm-hmm. and anyway so i had to call the place that dropped the donuts off the, this morning and apologize i said i i just want to clarify you know i have no clue what we donated i donated money mm-hmm. so uh <laughs> I, said, I don't want to take credit for something you know that's not ours i wanted to go right to the rightful source because obviously they made a generous gift Etc. 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 So I, I spent this morning tracking down the place that received the donations, also the company, to apologize for stealing their credit. So you, you owe them some donuts now. Well, right? I, I did. I did mention to the person who gave out the donuts that I'll be more than happy to fully reimburse them for the donuts okay. and also hand deliver this thank you card to them if they need me to <laughs> and scratch out my name and put theirs on. But they you know it was luckily it all worked out, but still oh, pretty embarrassing. Wow. That's one of those like secondhand embarrassment, embarrassment sure. but I'm in the first person perspective. <laughs> on that, so. yeah. I yeah. was worried at some point you were going to be, uh, they were expecting you to donate actual motorcycles to this, to uh, the kids, to, to, the, kids, the, yeah. to the children's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that, that probably would be good for their health. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I could be wrong. All right, so let's go into some wacky news brought to you by 1812 Barbecue. Hey, go check out our friends, uh, 1812 Barbecue. Eric, he is actually now getting ready to load up uh, his his inventory so that he could do some Christmas party catering. If you got a uh, Christmas party that you're about to throw a shindig for and you need a caterer, check out our friends at 1812 Barbecue. Also, I'm sure he does Kwanzaa and Hanukkah. There you go. New Year's. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Uh, all right, guys. I thought I read the headline. Thought you guys would love this one. Arizona man registers a swarm of bees as an emotional support animal. Why not? <laughs> an Arizona man's emotional support animal is creating quite a buzz in Prescott Valley, Arizona. David Keller thinks the application process to register an emotional support animal is too easy. So he tried registering a, swar- a swarm of bees as his service pet, and it worked. A lot of people thought it was hilarious, and a lot of people were getting upset. He recently went on a website and successfully uploaded a, ran- a random photo of a beehive as a service animal to bring awareness to the issue that anybody could do it. He said that he went through the process, and it was uh, proved that he could take his swarm of bees. Keller was inspired to go through the registration after seeing a service dog that was visibly untrained. He said, I could easily tell that it was not a service animal because it was pulling the owner in the parking lot. And I was thinking that it's just too easy to get these animals to be service animals. Uh, he said, it's very silly. That they don't mean anything. It just You just pay for the registry and then you can get uh, approved for that. He says that there's no training service that had to been done, obviously, with the bees. Uh, d- but not all animals can be trained. Only dogs and get this miniature horses yep. may be used as service animals, according to federal law. Yeah, on planes. Yeah. On airplanes. Yeah, I did a article about that. Miniature horses. Ago. Yep. Uh, there are other species that are giving the title, which includes squirrel, peacock, monkey, and alligator. Uh, miniature horses remain cleared to fly as service animals. Um, but, uh, recently a lot of emotional support dogs are recently getting booted off of, of flights showing signs of distress. So the serv- the emotional support dogs are now showing signs of distress. Uh, but anyway, so he got through the whole process with a swarm of bees. I mean, that's technically multiple animals. Was, it, was there that one that's true. his favorite? That's like a little, <laughs> it was, it was, like a little jack, you know, little pill bottle or something. Frank. Takes with them. Yeah. yeah. He Frank. calls him Frank. Frank. Yeah. Um, so, Buzz Aldrin. Oh, that's a good one. If you had a pet bee, what would it be? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a. I think Buzz is 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 quite strong there. That one's pretty good. Yeah. And his female companion, Honey. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, it, it's it's amazing that you have to register even register emotional support animals if you don't have to register. To have have a valid ID to vote, why do you have to have a valid ID for an emotional support animal? But they were saying in the article that recently on flights too that the the animals are now getting in fights with each other as well and causing uh, kids to get bits, yeah. people to get even more. Well, I can't distressed. I mean, dogs get stressed out like by the mailman, by the weather. Yeah, mm. you know, an airplane engine or yeah. just you know the altitude, the sudden elevation. I can't. I can't be comfortable for Mm-mm. the senses their senses are a little you know more finely tuned i think i just think, i just think it's a loophole that someone you know people just try to get away with you just, think you'd need some sort of like a mental health official to sign off on your you, animal, you, you, you would know? think so you would just think say so. oh well you know i have to have this kitten in my lap so i don't punch you in the face but also it, it, <laughs> the problem the problem is it gives a, it gives the industry a bad name because you have people that are just taking advantage of it obviously and People who actually yeah. How far are, can you stretch yeah, this? are beneficial to it. I mean, because we've seen videos out there with, you know, autistic patients who have had dogs that help them cope with trauma or uh, that, you know, that's what pinches them um, or PTSD patients. Yeah. 
So it's a legitimate need for people out yeah, there. Yeah, just but just because somebody wants to have their you know two pound Chihuahua with them that wears a sweater vest as an emotional support animal, and mm-hmm. they get away with it. Yeah, yeah. It's just insane. But now, thankfully, you can enjoy a swarm of bees as you. I think we'll register a Velociraptor. Oh, that'd be good. Or a you know banana Big on duct tape on yeah. wall, a wall. Did you see Popeyes taped a sandwich <clears throat> to a wall? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently uh, someone ate the banana. We we almost yeah. we didn't actually talk about this on the show. We talked before the show last week mm-hmm. about the banana thing, but someone like ate right. the, the as uh, performance art. It was performance art to eat a banana. I'm I wonder just, how much you got paid to do that. Yeah. But. I'm just letting you know that anyway. on Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. there has been a plethora of these things pop up. Like taped to walls. Taped to walls. <laughs> guy did a guy did a potato <laughs> taped to a wall. Uh, somebody and it was only he was only asking eighty thousand. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, there was somebody who did grape art, had Ooh. a grape, and I mm. thought that was pretty cool. Cause cost their cost is relatively <laughs> low, sure, but they were only asking sixty. So you know, if you're looking for any Christmas presents out there in your area, just go to Facebook Marketplace. And I'm sure there's probably some artistic like, expression. So if you sneeze in a wall, what can you charge that for? You know, like, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we can do a fart on. Maybe the wall. if it looks like the Virgin Mary or something, you know. Ooh. Oh yeah, like Ooh. the the toast that looks like Jesus. Yeah. That sells for a lot of money. Yeah. The 1812 barbecue story started over 20 years ago when Eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun. During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget the sides. Coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812-BARBECUE and he can make your next catered meal happen. Wedding and graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812-BARBECUE. Want to try your own hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page, Instagram at 1812barbecue, or call 704-604-5148 or email eric at eric.line at 1812barbecue.com and he'll be glad to help any way he can. Uh, our next article is someone is putting tiny cowboy hats on pigeons in Las Vegas as animal rescues try to remove them. Now, the <laughs> the title, I don't know who, what they're trying to remove, either the pigeons or the hats. That one threw me for a loop. Uh, someone in Las Vegas has been putting tiny cowboy hats on the heads of Las Vegas pigeons. While you may be asking yourself why one local onlooker has an explanation, because the rodeo's in town. Uh, Robert Lee, oh. yeah, oh. Robert Lee told told Storyful uh, when asked about the pigeons he recorded wearing miniature cowboy hats. That's the only explanation I have. He said, "I saw something red on a pigeon's head and looked down and saw these awesome things." At first look, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's cute." Then I was like, "Wait a minute, how do those hats get there?" <laughs> uh, Hillman runs the Animal Advocacy Organization, whose slogan is "A Pigeon Positive Movement." Uh, they're trying to track down who is putting these little hats on these pigeons, uh, and they're worried how they got on there. Did they glue them? And what does it mean for the pigeons? Uh, is it going to impede their flight or attract predators? Either way, um, they're kind of going viral 
the the pictures of these, and we'll have them on our show notes. But um, <laughs> I'll just pass pass along the little picture of the pigeons wearing the hats, which, by goodness, they are very cute. That is kind of cute. <laughs> I, I, I'd actually, if, oh. I, if I saw a flock of those like standing there, I'd, I'd be kind of worried. It'd be like yeah. you know, looking at uh, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday coming from the OK Corral. There has sure. to be some like adhesive involved there has here, to be. right? Yeah. And it's probably messing with their eyesight, I would guess, because pigeons, can, you know, birds can see like oh, 180. Yeah. Like you know, we can't. I can't even imagine what it looks like to be a bird. You know, looking sure. through their eyes, because you can see like almost a complete circle. Yeah. You know. Wow. Maybe it's keeping the, the sun out of their eyes. Yeah. Maybe, it's Maybe this is the next step in evolution. Maybe they've actually acquired their own hats. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, they're, 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 they're getting cow- them shipped in from China. Next will be like gun belts, right? I wouldn't. Wor- <laughs> hey, hey, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about predators because I'm telling you that uh, if I was a predatory bird sure. or a cat, I'd, I'd think twice about a pigeon. Oh, I'm not going to mess with a pigeon with a pad on. Yeah. yeah, I saw this Looney Tune uh, cartoon before. I know how this ends. <laughs> He pulls out a giant mallet and hits them on the oh, head. Come on, pigeons though are like rats of the sky though. That is true. I mean, no, nobody in the city goes, "Hey, we we you know we need to have a p- positive pigeon image." How is that not the the national bird? Because we've got way too many of those yeah. things. Pigeons, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I heard on the radio. I think it was yesterday. I couldn't find the actual article, but they mentioned that some guy got arrested for having like ten pigeons stuffed in his pants. <laughs> He's walking down the road, like the cops were like. Is that a is that a pigeon in your pants or you know? Yeah, but like, he's like something didn't look right. Right, he's had a bunch of sure. pigeons in there. So I started googling <laughs> pigeons in your pants. Of course, oh, that's not a good thing. Uh, to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently you, people have been using them for smuggling drugs as well. Overseas. Oh, okay. Hmm. Two hundred ecstasy pills got were on, on a homing pigeon. How about you? Yeah, it's, interesting. Anyway. All right, let's go to some hot topics brought to you by Watchman Cigars. If you want a quality cigar at a reasonable price, check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Um, All right, so last week we kind of railed on uh, Joe Biden saying Corn Pop was a bad dude. Corn Pop was a bad dude. (laughs) Uh, This week uh, Trump decides he's going to rail on every possible uh, competition person that, that he's got. So... Go ahead and play the speech from Trump, and uh, just uh, heads up, there is some uh, language. I, I can probably bleep it out later if you want me to. Okay. Well, that'd be we can do that, yeah. But it's actually funny. So it's I funny. Think we, should... we leave it in, yeah. Yeah. So if you have uh, kids, just turn it down a little bit. Good. Incredible, and they come right from the state of Pennsylvania. Hey, do you ever notice where Biden keeps saying he's in the wrong state? Like, if he's in Ohio, it's great to be in Iowa tonight. If he's in Pennsylvania... It's wonderful to be in the state of Delaware. What is wrong with this guy? (laughs) What's wrong with him? There's something wrong. Okay, there's something wrong. No, he he keeps... How many times can you do that? (laughs) Who turned out not to be too good a candidate, right? Beto. Beto. (laughs) Remember? So he wanted to get rid of religion, the Bible. He wanted to get rid of guns. And he wanted to get rid of oil. How about going to Texas and say, no Bible, <laughs> no oil. Think of this one. No Bible, no oil, no guns. Here are the facts on Shifty Shift. This honest guy makes up my statements. He said, the president of Ukraine repeatedly declared that there was no pressure, but he didn't want to say that. We said, say it. Say it, you crooked bastard. 
Everybody said that if they fail this time, think of this. How about low IQ Maxine Waters? How about green? How about green? Oh, We've green. How about green where he said we have to impeach him? Because if we don't impeach him, we're not going to win the election. This is what we're, this is what we're dealing with. You know, yeah. we're dealing with some very bad people. We're dealing with people that don't respect you. And by the way, you know, they talk about the elite. You're the elite. They're not the elite. They're right. the elite. <laughs> I just thought that was really comical. We've never had a politician or a president, though, that does this. I'm, and sure. I, I I kind of enjoy it. Just it's like the, he's preparing for his own talk show. Yeah, <laughs> That's, he's going to be a night. It's going to be when he's done with the presidency. He's going right. to be on late night with Donald Trump. It, it could be. That's what this is. But it, uh, but I kind of enjoy it because it's like a it's like a it's like a roast. It, he he's there to get yeah. he's there to get his troops rally rallied sure. up. Or oh up. yeah, they're, so I, mean, they're, I, I enjoy it just because it's humor. Because if you watch other people's speeches, it's it's more of a pandering type mm-hmm. thing where you, they will read their audience. If it's not a, if it's not a diverse audience, if it's, you know, something, you know, if they're, if they're in a, uh, in a, in a black church, they'll pander to that mm-hmm. black church. Yep. If they're in a Hispanic community, they'll pander to the Hispanic. They don't, they don't do this kind of like just ad lib roasting humor. I think it's kind of funny. I know oh, some yeah. people are taken back by it and are really offended by it. Me, I think it's kind of funny, but just, it loosens the tie of the of the person in office. I think. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny. And I agree. But coming from the leader of the free world, yeah, this is the president. <laughs> right. I mean, right? I was actually talking to someone about this earlier today about like no one's ever we've never had a president like you said. You know, Obama could be funny sometimes. He has mm-hmm. some stuff. You know, you sent me that two fern between two ferns. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> funny. But. It's like this is yeah, this is the leader of our country, right. and he's on his platform, but he's just roasting. Like I, I, I get it. I know why he's doing it. I know why it's happening. But right, it's it's this evil genius kind of thing. Because you know, mm-hmm. people, yeah. you know, the people that are, and you know, his supporters are loving every bit of this. Sure, you know, one hundred percent. If you're in the market for a high quality cigar for a very reasonable price, you must check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full, spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs— Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or check out his new website at WatchmanCigars.com or the sponsor section of our website. Speaking of evil genius, uh, we have AOC. She made some comments at, uh, about puppies and parental leave. So go ahead and play that clip. Employers should offer health care to every employee that, that they have. I think that as part of a benefits package, they should determine what is the best way and what do the workers okay, want. Okay, so no, you don't believe it should be uniformly offered. Um, as, I think it should be what right. workers want and what employers. Okay, are able so to the answer is no. Um, 
So, and similarly, your, your view on parental leave is to let the market decide. Um, do we know how long puppies are allowed to stay with their mothers after a dog has given birth? I don't. Uh, eight weeks. Wow. So the market has decided that women and people who give birth deserve less time with their children than a dog. And I think that that, at its core, has shown that the market has failed to treat people with dignity and with basic respect. And so when that happens, I think it's our job as the public to redefine the rules of society and to, peop and to treat people who give birth with the dignity that they deserve. Thank you very much. Hmm. Do you want to break that one down? I really can't use the language I'd like to use. <laughs> Could be a lot of a lot of beeps. Um, so let's follow this logic. So mm -hmm. a dog's lifespan in human years is seven years. So mm -hmm. if we if my math is correct, oh, you get you don't the oh, deep wow. math. Wait a minute, if my math was correct. So actually, eight weeks is technically a whole full year in a dog's life. Mm -hmm. So I guess we should equate that to parental leave should be a full year, paid, paid. Yeah, mm -hmm. jobs, dogs have jobs. They get paid, so they yeah. can you know they have to go back to like, whatever. I mean, yeah, sniff, sniffing asses yeah, and eating cat turds in the <laughs> counter box. Yeah, that's that's a rough that's a rough job. But um, yeah, so I guess I guess we need to ump, uh, amp it up to a a year. By the way, I don't think dogs stay with their parents till for eight weeks because I've seen dogs for adoption six to seven. Yeah, who weeks, makes that? So. That's not so, a nature thing. That's like that's when you can adopt a puppy is after eight weeks, right? Right. That, yeah. yeah supposedly, like that. that's yeah. Um, if you're breeding them, and, and you have eight weeks. Yeah. And this is the same. I mean, some we our country treats animals better than people a lot. One hundred percent. I agree. I, agree I mean, with that. that's we're in that yeah. society. So, yeah. well, I, I I think it's ironic that AOC is actually valuing a puppy life more than she is a human life because in her in her motto she'd probably uh, especially with the climate change and oh yeah we, we don't need a population now we don't need to breed humans because of the impending uh climate apocalypse uh, but also she doesn't she values a puppy's life probably in utero more than she does a human life yeah. in utero mm -hmm. so humans are people too uh, but <laughs> <laughs> humans are people too that's, I th that's a great teacher i like right it <laughs> i like it um but yeah the new york what the hell are you doing? This is the person you elected to, to represent you guys. I mean, I will say coming off of eight weeks of paternity leave, I'm a huge fan of that. I enjoyed it immensely. Oh, sure. I, I have no problem with paternity leave. I think I, it's a great thing. Yeah. I think I think if employers can offer that, mm -hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, that shouldn't absolutely. be federally mandated. No. It, it's up to the employer. Yeah, yeah. I, again, going back to the free market. When you're getting paid. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know... <laughs> Look, my wife, and also I do take offense that she's she did say, and I think she did specifically say, uh, people who give birth. Okay, well, oh, yeah. obviously I'm a parent right. who obviously I didn't give birth, but none mm -hmm. of my none of my kids are genetically mine. Mm -hmm. Like my kids, have, you know, are through other means, adoption, other means. So what about us? Yep. You know, what about you? Yep. And I so. She automatically used that language, which, I mean, it doesn't trigger me. I could care less because she's a nitwit, and hopefully um, I, I, I could care less if, if a banana taped to a wall runs for her <laughs> office. I'd rather see that that artwork win versus her because she's possible. Yeah, she's, a dumb as a, she's dumb as a box of crickets. So, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so this, this is congratulations, New York. I mean, you won. It, it's pretty much legal to sleep in the city, and you can't. Or the homeless can sleep in the city. You can defecate on the streets, pretty much. They ban uh, high calorie sodas, you know, over twenty ounces. Uh, they ship their homeless because they have such a rampant problem. They ship their homeless to other states like North Carolina and other various states. So yeah, um, but you're worried about puppies and yeah, how you try to translate that into human life. I just, just she's yeah. she's the idiot. Overall, I, I agree with the free market. That if a, if that's a, a big deal for you, go to a company that offers you know eight weeks or whatever paid parental leave or whatever. But don't force companies to do that. Yeah. It's not. It's not good for the it's, company. It's not like reasonable for like small businesses, right. especially. You know, like think if you know you're a business owner, if you had mm-hmm. two or three employees, could you afford to pay somebody eight weeks but to here, be out? Here's the pro- here's the here's the issue though. What do companies like myself do? My company will hire people a who probably will not produce a child, mm-hmm. or yeah, b. Yeah. They may have already, their kids have already been born, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I, it's going to yeah. force me to look for people in labor that yep. don't fit that criteria. Yeah, if that's being mandated to you, then you're going to be, have to be more discriminatory yep. in yeah. your hiring practices. Like my, when I was at a, a, what I call a real job, I was allowed to take his, all of my vacation at one time. Mm-hmm. That was my leave when I had both my children. Okay. And I'd save my, basically I get, I had like two and a half, three weeks of vacation that was what I got to use that. All, I just used it all one time. Then I would, that was it. There was yeah. no beach trip that year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, uh, man, man, mandated policies like this have a huge effect mm-hmm. because not only, for example, if you did need a, 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 these key employees that are potentially going to have families, which is cool. I'm all pro family, but on a dollar line, what, what happens is it's going to, it's going to cause an employer to not have as much staff to compensate for that benefit. And they're, you know, therefore they're going to increase productivity requirements on the remaining employees. And then at what point is it more profitable to keep having kids? So you get the extra, yeah, you get to work, you know, like you have a baby every 13. Yeah, but also, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. You know, what do we do for, here's, here's my main takeaway an issue is we have people that are trying to mandate policies who have done nothing more than you know pour draft beers from bars or made coffee from their former job or have been community mm-hmm. organizers people who actually have never done anything productive you you take them yeah. you take some several of the democrats who are running for office they have done nothing but sit in a, a position that they've been elected to and drawn a salary for the mm-hmm. last 28 to 40 years and they're trying to mandate how small businesses and businesses are going to operate. Yeah. Well, even AOC, you can't mandate that, like we said, the, the companies are going to give eight weeks um, to just females, like like you were saying on that. But small business is going to be impacted. You can't just whimsically throw out, oh, this should be a policy without thinking about the downstream impacts of how that's going to hurt the small businesses. So I equate AOC to my 16-year-old daughter. Oh, that's good. Because my 16-year-old daughter has all these hopes and dreams and wants mm-hmm. that she expects me to pay for. Right. <laughs> but just like everyone else, you ha- you don't have an endless funnel of cash. Right. And this, how do we pay for everything that AOC mm-hmm. wants or Warren wants or Sanders wants? I mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean, unless people start doing the trading, trading bartering, bartering system where, you know, we can pay for things through clams and clamshells or... <laughs> 
you know, Bitcoin. Everybody <laughs> will start a wheat garden. In oh, the, yeah. I can make you some shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we're, it's just crazy. I, I just don't get how they're, you know, when they try to uh, you show numbers that support their their position, what economist is actually getting behind this saying, oh, yeah, we can <laughs> we can fund another uh, $131 trillion in spending over the next course of years, even though we only take three point one. Or, or you know one point something trillion dollars in tax revenue a year, but yeah. hey, you know also we could tax the wealthy at one hundred percent and not even fail, uh, fund the uh, the budget uh, for the next you know six weeks or whatever. I mean, I mean these are yeah. I'm making these numbers up. It's the same point. economist who said that Obamacare would work. So <laughs> you keep, if you like your doctor, you can keep it. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we have Becky Santoro from Foster Village as our special guest. Come on back. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Hook, Line, and Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit based in Charlotte, North Carolina, founded in 2017 to show God's love and appreciation for our disabled and PTS military veterans. They provide professionally guided fishing trips to nominated veterans at no cost to the veteran. Hook, Line, and Heroes has provided over 30-plus trips around the Carolinas since their founding, from red fishing down in Charleston to striper fishing on Lake Norman and even offshore fishing down in Florida. Each trip is a one-on-one experience with a member of the organization aiming to provide a day of fun and relaxation on the water and begin a lifelong relationship with them. Each veteran leaves the day with a fully stocked tackle box, rod and reel, apparel, a Bible, and a daily devotion to kick to kickstart their new hobby and build their relationship with God. Please take the time to visit their website at hooklineandheroes.org to hear and learn more about them. You can help in many ways by nominating a veteran you know through their website, join their monthly giving program, Healing Heroes, or send a one-time personal or corporate donation. You'll also be happy to hear that they are completely volunteer-run and nearly 100% of your donations goes directly towards providing trips for the veterans. Be sure to follow them on Facebook Instagram and LinkedIn to see their veteran stories and to show your support. All right, we are back and you are listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. On the phone with us, we have Beth- Becky Santoro from Foster Village. Foster Village is a nonprofit organization providing hope and resources for foster families. Becky, Tracy, Sloan, and Molly founded Foster Village to equip and provide resources to and advocate for foster families kinship fostering, and bio families. These women saw a need, came together, and is now providing hope for the over 600 foster children in the Charlotte area. We're excited to have Becky on to discuss all the things that Foster Village does for those families. So, Becky, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So tell us a little bit about how did Foster Village get started and why? Sure. So, Foster Village got started. It was really a need that we had. We weren't looking to become a nonprofit. Initially, we were just looking to meet a personal need that we had um, as a foster family. So my husband and I um, entered the world of foster care in 2016. um, And really quickly after we got licensed, we got placed with um, our first placement. And ever since then, it's kind of been a roller coaster. (laughs) And at the time, we didn't know anybody else that was fostering. And mm-hmm. so 
of took to the approach of, gosh, we need to find other people that are doing this life with us. We've had a lot of great support um, from friends and family and church, but no one understands what it looks like to go to courts and then have to come home and tuck your kids in bed and and do the whole thing over again. So so that's kind of how we got started. We found the other founders. I found them um, just through Facebook looking for other people that were fostering. And so we started meeting up with each other and just kind of sharing our journeys. And then over time, more people were finding us and more people are finding us. And we kept doing these gatherings and it started off as five families and then it would turn into 10 and then 20 and then 50. <laughs> and wow. so it was like, gosh, there's something here. There is a, an unmet need that our city has for a community with other families that are fostering. And then there's some big gaps in our system of people outside of foster care that wanted to help. And there wasn't really an inroad in. So we were dreaming and trying to have, um, a sense of what our city needed and hoping that someone else would do it for us. And then, um, a couple years in, we were like, gosh, I think it's us. I think we have to be the ones that build it. So, um, last year we officially launched as a nonprofit and it's been a whirlwind ever since. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, um, you know, full discretion, dis- disclosure, my wife and I have participated in some of your events. Uh, we are foster kids or foster parents. We've got uh, Hot Pocket and Small Batch that we like to call them affectionately <laughs> on the show. And, yeah. and so we we really appreciate all the things that you do. But somebody becomes a foster parent. They get a placement. One of the things that I love about you guys is you are on top of it. One phone call and all of a sudden here comes the, the floodgates open for support and encouragement. Um, so tell people about these welcome packs uh, that people will get if they, you know, get a placement. Yeah. So the first kind of call when you um, first say yes to a child, it just becomes a whirlwind. You're processing a, a difficult story. You're trying to logistically figure out um, when and where you're going to be receiving this child. And many times kids come into care so quickly that they don't have time to get their belongings or the belongings that they have might not be appropriate for the season or might not be um, useful in that moment. And so we really felt like that's an easy way for the community to come around side foster families and say, we see you. Thank you for saying yes to our community, but also ease the stress of those first couple of days. So the welcome packs, um, people can fill out a form on our website or the social worker can fill it out on their behalf. And it's everything that you would need to get through the first couple of days with your kiddos. And that way you're fully present with them. You're not running to the store trying to think if they have underwear for tonight or pajamas. You're able to just let them come in, get them settled and know that the village is going to be there on your doorstep. So we have a lot of volunteers that are trained, um, and well, um, well stocked up with the process of how we do things. And we have an app and we say, you know, five-year-old girl in Huntersville, um, at, at this location, can you drop the welcome pack? And I mean, everyone springs into action. So when we first started, we thought, well, we'll be there, you know, 24 hours. That feels, feels like it could be manageable. And now we're, we're on doorsteps within six to 12 hours most times. So uh, it's a huge, um, it's, it's a huge way to just meet a quick need. And then we just say the welcome pack is the start of a new relationship. We're just mm-hmm. there 
to meet that need and not to, you know, have a long-winded conversation with you. We'll do that another day when you're settled. But let's get that kiddo what they need. So everything in the pack is um, new that people have either donated to us or that we are able to purchase through individual donations. And in that way, we're kind of dignifying the start of foster care for a child. They have something that is uniquely theirs, Mm. that's their size, that's all new, that no one else has worn before. And we feel like that's a really dignifying approach to entering a, a hard situation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you you have no idea what these kids are going through when when you get a placement. Uh, so it's you know to have something new, something that's theirs is is great. And then on the flip side of that, I'll never forget the moment where I'm just at work and everything's going great uh, at work, and you know I'm just going through an, on a call, and then all of a sudden my wife texts me and says, "Hey, by the way, we're having a kid." And he's going to be here in three hours. And you're like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> you know, yeah. your whole life is about to flip upside down. And you don't know uh, what's going to happen. You don't know, like you said, do they have underwear? What's going to, you know, what what's going to be the story? And so trying to process that all within just a few hours uh, is is almost not traumatic, but it's just a lot of pressure. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, But just to know that there's somebody that can have your back and show up. And help you out, uh, you know, within, like you say, six to 12 hours is massive. Yeah. I mean, it's what I wish I had when we first mm. got first placement who, um, who it became, ended up becoming our forever daughter. But we, at, at that first call, it was like, can you be here now? And I'm running through Target, like just a crazy person. And I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old girl, you biological children at home. And our little one was one years old. And I, everything went blank. I had no idea what a one-year-old girl needed. I had no idea, you know, if she took a bottle, what size diaper, none of those things. And, um, and I was just, yeah, I was a little bit traumatized, just trying to figure out how this all was going to work. And even though you go through the classes, you know what, what you, think you know and you think you're ready for it nothing prepares you for that call and that initial start for sure yeah it's unless you've been through it you have no idea what it's what it's like so yeah no i completely understand that's a cool touch point um once somebody has got the foster kid and you guys have settled down for a little bit what also what other things do you guys provide uh for those foster families bio families and kinship fostering yeah. Yeah. So we always say the welcome pack is a lifeline back to a village of support because we feel like the most impactful thing we could do for a child is to make sure that the family in their care is healthy and whole. And anytime you have any career choice where you're helping other people, whether you're a teacher or a social worker or a police officer or firefighter, you know, you're on the front lines so, so much to mm-hmm. the needs and cares of other people. And, um, oftentimes the foster parents are kind of the ones that are probably most neglected in that way. We're very, can be very isolated or maybe, um, invisible because the foster mm-hmm. care system can be very invisible. So we always say the most important thing we can do is to, build community around you with other people that get it and help you to sustain the journey. So many foster families give up after two years. So many foster families decide to only take in one placement and not do it again. And that's just a revolving door for our city, for our taxpayer money, Mm. for all 
all of, all of it. And the thing that we lose in all this is really high quality foster parents that could go to the distance if they knew they were supported. So that's a huge piece of what we do. We feel sure. like the, the child welfare system is a broken system. There are a lot of things that we see that could change and there wasn't really a unifying voice of foster parents. So we set out to find foster parents and then make sure that we wrap our arms around them. So we do a lot of trauma-informed trainings, and we basically, you have to get trainings for being a foster parent, you, you know that. And um, and sometimes they can be really dull and really dry. Yes. So we're trying to cross that off so that you can keep your license. And we just sat down and said, what do we need? Like, what do we literally need? We need self-care in a broken system. We need trauma and secondhand trauma. We need to know what to do when a, a baby who's born addicted can't sleep through the night. Like, these are the real practical things that we need our families to know. So we do trauma-informed trainings, and then we just launched um, some therapist-led support groups so that you can have a safe place to process those harder days of fostering where you are saying, gosh, I think I'm going to give up. This is too hard. And someone mm -hmm. is there to kind of help walk you through that. But then we have a lot of fun, too. We love to gather as foster families in at the park or at the farm or at the library and just help families know that there are other people doing this and let the children know that there's a, um, you know, they're not the only ones in a transition, in a hardship, in a, in a, uh, in a home that's not there. So, you know, there are other kids in our city that are experiencing the same thing they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So we do parent night out and anything we can do to connect the children together. That's like, oh, okay. Yeah. For a minute here, I don't have to pretend like everything is okay. I can just remember that there's other people like me that's going through the same thing. Why do you, <clears throat> why do you think short shelf life? Why do you think the, the average foster parent only lasts for two years? I think one of the, I, one of the hardest things I think about being a foster parent is the lack of voice that you have in the situation. So we're tasked with being a safe place for the child to land. We're also tasked with sharing lots of information with a variety of teammates like social workers and guardian at litems. But then when you get to court, you're not a party to the case. So I think that's hard for families. I know it was hard for me. I felt like I could not advocate though I knew what was going on inside of my home 24 hours a day. And I think if you don't have a good communication with your team, if there's not um, some mutual respect that goes both ways, it can get really hard mm -hmm. to feel like you cannot say what you need to say or voice the things that you need to voice. So I think that's one of them. I think another one is that some kids that come into care suffer, um, every kid that comes into care suffers trauma, whether they are a baby or they're 18. Um, trauma comes in all different kinds of forms. And even just leaving your home is, is traumatic, whether even if it, it was unsafe and you needed to go, that's still traumatic. You're leaving your family. So I think that some families feel unequipped with the task at hand and um, and maybe don't have as much education of what uh, triggers a, that specific child or some of the behaviors that can wear on you over time. And um, I think those are two of the bigger reasons why families feel like they can't do it. I can definitely relate to not feeling like you have a voice. Um, 
we went to court and I just wanted to tell both the lawyers, like, what you're saying is not even accurate. <laughs> uh, can, and I was like, can I say anything? And they're like, no, you can't. I told my wife then I'm going to go to the University of Phoenix and get a law degree just so I can spend, stand in court and, and actually tell them what's actually going on. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Join the line. We're all in <laughs> <we're> together. <laughs> but I feel like that is one thing that is helpful is to be able to hear someone else say, this is really hard. It's hard to, to not feel like you can advocate. And our role as Foster Village is trying to teach families how, what is in their bandwidth to advocate for, but also uniting our voice so that there's enough of us and enough storytelling and enough, um, you know, common threads where we can be a seat at the table for stakeholders and say, Mm -hmm. these are some things that we know need to change in our, our city. And we've never been united like that. Yeah. Well, if if I go a little long here, I apologize just because I I can sense this is one reason I love having guests like you on the show, because um, obviously you didn't apply for this job, you know, like like people would like a a social worker applies for that job. Yeah, they go to school, they get the training uh, or somewhat training, but they apply for a job. You were you saw a void, just like our friend uh, Gwen with the basic Mm -hmm. grace, you saw a void couldn't take it anymore and filled the void. And you're passionate about that. I could tell it in your voice. Um, my frustrations are with, you know, on your behalf, but also Biggin's behalf, because I love him like a brother, that the system is so broken. You have people that are, like I said, they're doing a job. They get to clock out at the end of the day. You guys have to, you, you, you guys don't clock out. And it's just so frustrating that we, we put so much into the system, but I, I, I admire, you know, our nonprofits like you that fill the void, that see the the gaps that need to be filled, and you know, lift these parents up. I hopefully, hopefully, people can reduce, you know, someone can duplicate this process and pass it along to other counties and states and cities and, and help fill those voids too. Because we would love to foster, but I'm also know I know me. I know I get so frustrated that I would be down at the human health services trying to burn a building down. So, <laughs> so I just yeah, you're gonna know your bandwidth. Yeah, first. yeah, I know I know my limitations. So, um, and who knows? I may I may chill out in a few years and you know be able to process it. But you know, I think fostering. I saw an image the other day on Facebook, and I, and I let me see if I can find it real quick just to show big because I, I like seeing them cry. Yeah, don't make me cry. <laughs> Because I clearly d- never do that. Um, yeah. I've... So I saw this. I saw this image of. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, I saw this image the other day on on Facebook, and it's a picture uh, of Mary holding mm. baby Jesus. And then I, I saw it, the next picture is Jesus or Mary holding Jesus as he as he's pulling them off the cross, and that kind of made me think of foster parents because. And something Bingham's wife said the other day is that you go into these situations preparing your heart to be broken. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of, of, of Mary going into that situation, preparing, you know, with Jesus's birth and preparing her heart, knowing that it would be ripped open. Mm-hmm. And I can understand being the heart being ripped open by, you know, people that are being placed, their kids being placed, but also going back to their biological family, because that's the, the whole goal of foster care. Yeah. But, I could not imagine my heart being ripped open from a negligent state or, or county official that just has their heart set on ripping it open, you know, and placing a kid back that 
the situation is not applicable. So anyway, that's my long diatribe. I just, I, I, yeah. my, yeah, frust- my frustrations are with the system. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's part of the, the role of coming together as a nonprofit, but also being a, able to be a seat at the table is recognizing varying perspectives. And that if I had everybody write out what they feel like the job of a foster parent is, or what they feel like is in the best interest of that child, we would have 20 different definitions and 20 Mm. different reasons and 20 different. And some of them honestly may be, um, a game changer for me, a lifter of my eyes to say, wow, okay, I really didn't see it like that. And so I always try to come into those situations thinking there's, there's lots of different ways for us to approach this, but how can we come together and come back to the why? And I've met a, a, a million beautiful, wonderful social workers that are in it for the right reasons, that have a heart to change the system. And I've seen guardian at litems the same way, and I've seen judges the same way, but we all have a different take on the same situation. And so that's kind of the, the hard part is, well, how do I hold the the truth loosely and still be able to voice um, and advocate well for what I believe is in the best interest of the child? So it's definitely not um, and not an easy task, but anytime we can kind of come together and sit down over the mutual um, purpose of of being an advocate and a, um, a desire for that child to have a healthy outcome, like we have to start there because once we put labels and once we put um, what we think is true out there um, without hearing their perspective, it's really hard for us to move forward. And it's, it's, it's a very humbling experience. I've been in lots of different meetings with my own kiddos, biological parents and their lawyers and all that. And it's just, it is some of the most humbling moments of my life for sure. It's really, sorry, we got you good. It's really easy as a foster parent and I'm not, I get, I'll just I'll just spit it out. It's it's really easy as a foster parent to demonize the the bio parents for for what they've put that kid through, but it's another thing to like you say sit down and listen to their stories and hear how they got to that spot, and it completely changes your perspective on on them. Now, mm-hmm. where they're at of am I still am I trying to get the kid back or I don't care. Then, you know, maybe that demonization comes back or whatnot. But to hear them and hear their stories, you're like, whoa, you know, I can I can almost understand not giving them an excuse, but understand why it happened the way that it did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is um, it, I look at I look at our case and our, our um, children's father and I think we we got here somehow and in 20 you know, when I, when he was little, I would have fought to foster him, you know? So it's like Mm. he grew up and he's still a little child really. And, um, and a hurt one and a traumatized one, I'm sure. And when you don't have the coping skills and then you become an adult, you're still operating under this mindset of, you know, fight or flight. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, that that is huge to be able to look in someone's eyes and say, okay, this is there's this is hu- I'm humanizing this right mm-hmm. now. Yep, 
Yeah. What What do you see if you could change one thing about the system? <laughs> just one. <laughs> one list. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. That is such a hard question to an- answer. And every mm. day I probably would give you a different answer sure. because, um, you know, I had my own fostering situation Then we welcomed his brother, her brother as well. Um, I've met other foster families. I've heard their stories. The more I'm in this work, the more darkness I see, the mm. more, um, th- the more common threads I see that I feel like should be changed. So it would be hard to, to pick one, but I, I think I go back to, um, oh gosh, like if I had to choose one thing, I think it would be again, building in some, um, intentional work towards the culture of the child welfare system and the, and the people that, um, whose roles are directly affected, um, who would directly affect the child's life. So we, we have a lot of work to do with social workers and judges and lawyers Mm -hmm. and foster parents to, um, come, come together. So I think that that would be one of the biggest things I would change is, um, some more intentional practices, um, that could, that could maybe shift some things as a whole. But then the other thing I would change is more direct support for the actual biological parents when mm-hmm. yeah, headed the kids do go back home. Um, I am a, a huge um, component of, of shared parenting, which means, you know, you do everything you can to help the, um, the family that you're helping to care for to, to do some joint parenting together, you know, and, um, and then when the kids go home, there's this natural release and sometimes it's so abrupt and, um, and I feel like we could do a better job empowering families that when they go home, that they're better, they're, they're in a better state of return. And so one, two, three things happen. We're not right back to where we started. Um, and I feel like foster parents could play a a really important bridge to that. And sometimes we're, we're not sure how to do that or we're not asked to do that. And then the child loses his natural support system in this whole reunification. So I want success for families when they reunify. I don't want to see that kid in care again. And unfortunately, that is something that happens quite frequently. It drives me nuts to that the state, and this is all states, that basically consider foster homes a lot of times just a, a, a state-sponsored Airbnb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, like, like, like you just said, you guys are such an intricate part in these kids' lives. And I, I'll, I'm going to sound cynical for a second. Imagine that. <laughs> anybody listen to this show? And we can cut this out, too, because if it doesn't, it, you know, if it doesn't support what you're doing, because sometimes like my over opinion comes on the show, but we take we take the right to drive away from people that are multiple offenders of DUIs or reckless driving or this and that. But we allow parents, and, and I can speak from my own personal experience with my niece because um, my niece was abused, was brought to us. We we cared for her for a while, and then she was given back by the state to her mother. We warned them of some future incidents and lo and behold, like a fortune teller, it happened and the state never monitored it. State just basically cut her and let her go. And Mm. it breaks my heart to know that 
not saying selfishly we could have raised our niece better. We could have, but in other situations, it, you know, or another foster family could have done it. Mm-hmm. And it just breaks my heart that um, some parents, <clears throat> some biological parents, maybe shouldn't be parents. I know they are, but it just breaks my heart that the state sometimes, and I'm all about reunification because mm-hmm. sometimes parents just need to get their stuff together sure. and need to go back. Yeah. I, and I'm all for that. But man, sometimes it, the state will probably take their driver's license away a lot quicker and not mm-hmm. give it back, than the, but they'll give them a human being back. And it's just it's fr- so frustrating to see that. And um, I don't, I, that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. I think at the at the end of the day, um, you know, we want success and wholeness for for families, but we also want the cycle to break with the children. And I think yeah. that that's where it gets a little bit murky of um, not you know knowing when it's time to um, seek a forever family and say this is this has gone on long enough. And and at what points have we truly wrapped that family with enough support and care and addictive addiction help and and whatever it is that their barrier is to really give them a fighting chance. Um, and so, yeah, I I'm with you. It's the struggle. And, and both of our children are now adopted from foster care. And, um, and it did, it did reach a point where it was not, um, not going to be a good situation for them to be reunified, um, and so I'm grateful that this, that the cycle stops with them. I'm sad and heartbroken that their story, um, has to begin with that kind of brokenness, but I'm also grateful that we get to write a new story with their generation. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't also feel sad for the family that can't raise those, you know, their children, but I'm so grateful that they're ours now and we can do something different. One hundred percent. I think. I mean, the beautiful thing about foster and all the beautiful thing about adoption too is that you don't have this traditional Norman Rockwell, Mayberry type of you know feel good family. Families mm-hmm. are put together, and you create your own stories. I mean, from our adoption story to even our youngest daughter, we have an amazing story of how that how that trans you know transpired, and um. Also, the same thing with foster. I know a lot of foster parents now that have gone through the full adoption, and they have a wonderful story. Yeah, it does have some heartbreak, but it, you know, it's, it's almost like the reverse. Well, actually, it's probably the same as a Hallmark movie. You know, you have the <laughs> you have the breakup, and the then, break you have, up, yeah. then you have the Christmas miracle, and I love it. And and I, I love seeing these stories. And man, I tell you what, if I had to watch one more of those stinking videos at the at where the judges, I. I'm a heavily tattooed guy, and I'm, I'm kind of mean looking a lot of times. But I will cry to the drop, I, and I can see it leading up to that. I mean, like the last one was like the foster kids uh, or the kid invites his whole class to come to his adoption oh, party. Yeah. Oh, I, I read the title and started crying. They still watched it. So, um, just a question now: um, Do have you thought about? Uniting with other groups is, is is a voice for lobbying, because I think I think you guys, if if of course I know when you have loose entities and groups, sometimes somebody wants to be the, the head speaker, but and you have a lot of politics in that. But man, if, if all the nonprofits who who focus on foster care in this state or any other state got together and banded together to be one, you know, like a one voice for lobbying in, in their capital, I think 
a lot of yeah. change could happen. I mean, it may already happen. I just, I've never yeah. heard of it. No. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I said, we, we didn't set out to be a nonprofit. So none of us have nonprofit experience. I was a teacher in my prior life and then worked for my church for a bit. We've got a nurse on our team. We've got um, someone in banking and, you know, so it's so funny because we've been living and learning this whole time. And, and so I don't even know all, all of the intricate details of what, what we would be allowed to do as a nonprofit. But I do know that, um, we do not have a North Carolina, a foster bill of rights and some States do have that. Um, and those are some, some, some do it well. And some, some maybe haven't had a great track record, but it gives some best practices of what the government should be doing in, in terms of common courtesy and respect for the foster parent. Um, and also just, you know, things that the foster parents should be able to access if they needed to. Um, and so we're, we're doing, we're in the research phase of, of that, but our goal, um, in the next three years is to really be working on the, um, foster care bill of rights and see, um, if we can get that pass at a state level. And, um, right now it's a lot of meeting people and learning who, um, who are advocates already in our city or in our, and in our state and having great relationships with council for children's rights and NC child and, um, being able to voice our concerns when appropriate, um, of the system is, um, definitely where we're at right now. But, um, but yeah, we're coming in like a Trojan horse, you know, we're walking in with all of, all, kumbayaing about foster parents and <laughs> and how we could come together and then we're just going to blow it up and and get get to work creating a, a better healthy system for our children and the families that are caring for them so it, it's definitely in the works for sure uh we we need to connect you with our friend uh, and fellow foster to adopt parent gwen bartley she runs an organization called amazing grace and she's heavily involved in Mm -hmm. uh, the capital. So I don't know. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her or not, but, um, we need, no, we need, not. we need to connect you. I think both of you guys passion, I think Riley would probably relocate to lose, <laughs> lose hopefully y'all would lose their address. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I, I, I would love to see that because, um, nothing is no, no one's voice, you know, is better heard with a pack of angry moms. Um, right. <laughs> I think that would be great. So maybe we kickstart this off by just doing maybe if you can uh, pay, post like a baby Yoda um, <laughs> oh, uh, meme yeah. That'll get recognized or quickly. smudge the cat meme. I think you guys would probably rock it out. You probably have a bunch of followers that we can get, get that rallied up. Love it. Love it. Don't turn. I never turn down good ideas. <laughs> well, don't look towards me because I, I will lead you down the path of uh, memes. <laughs> stupid memes. <laughs> Becky, what has been one of your favorite moments uh, being a part of Foster Village? What has been something that when when we say Foster Village, great moments, it pops into your head, this is it? Oh, man. There's so many. Um, how, about, how about one that was a God moment that mm -hmm. you just knew? Yeah. Like, all right. Right. I think um, 
you know, we had a vision of this um, resource center that we wanted to have for families, a place that would be sacred. It would be just for them. It was designed for them. And we had no idea how it was going to play itself out because we're, we're a year into a nonprofit. We're only funded by individual donors at this point. We're grassroots. We're all volunteers. And, um, and so finding a property that looked like a house um, was that was in our price range for rent in a good location was the biggest God moment and the biggest, um, joy as of, as of yet has been able to open the doors to families in a place that looks like a home. We wanted it to look like a house so that a kid could come again and again and again for different things that we do for foster village and feel, um, like it was designed for them because it is, but the, probably one of the coolest moments that I've had so far since being in that resource center, um, is number one, the aha moments of community members that didn't really understand foster care. And now I can walk them through Mm -hmm. and each along the way has been really impactful. But, um, the last couple of weeks we've had foster parents reach out to us and ask if they could use the space to meet with their biological parents and do a shared parenting experience around the holidays. So we've had birthday parties there and we've had, um, you know, visitations uh, around the holidays there. And to me that that's everything because that kid is coming with their foster mom to all these different things. And then they're coming there with their biological parents and they know that, that this place has, a heart and hope for both sets of families. They don't have to choose, you know? Um, and so we had gingerbread making going on and, and I just, uh, that to me is the biggest win we've had. I had to drop off my daughter to a office building once a week to visit her dad. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was the most, um, dehumanizing experience that I could have um, been a part of for him. It was an office building with no toys and someone's watching you for two hours. And I'm not going to be my best parenting self in that environment at all. Um, And so I just kept thinking, gosh, we just, he already had an uproad battle. Could we not have made it a little bit easier? Like he's never going to be inside of a home again with his daughter. Um, And so this is a, a safe space for both things to occur and by far has been the most emotional and, um, and beautiful part of building this nonprofit for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're actually coming to to visit the home here in a, in a couple of weeks with ours. So we're right. looking forward to that. I'm excited to have you for sure. You'll love it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so you mentioned like kind of lobbying, getting together. Where else is Foster Village heading for the future? One thing that we're doing in the future is um, really being able to make sure that we're here to stay. So mm-hmm. we've, we've done a, a year, a little over a year of being super grassroots and volunteer oriented. And, um, it's time for us to make sure that we're, um, sustainable and that we can, um, continue to do this work in five years and in 10 years. And, um, and so we're doing a lot of learning of what it looks like to actually be a sustainable nonprofit in our city. Um, and we're grateful that we have a lot of supporters that are walking alongside us in that endeavor. Um, but I'd also like to have a few different locations, um, so that we're actively helping other counties. We serve any County. Um, we only deliver welcome 
welcome packs to 20 miles of our, our resource center because of our volunteers and just wanting to be sensitive to their time. But, um, but I, I see a huge pocket of people up north and a huge pocket of people down south and east and west and neighboring counties. And I would love to have um, these resource-like environments in, in multiple locations in the future. So step one, make sure we're really sustainable. And then step two is to branch out and make sure that we can duplicate this for other families. That's, that sounds incredible. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you guys grow and expand and um, because there's such a need. It's unreal, the need. Unreal, unreal. And then there's a lot of great people out there that want to support it. So that's also been such a big blessing is that people just, they want to come around foster care. They just don't know how. Mm -hmm. It's so confusing. It's so complex. And since opening our, our doors and since opening the nonprofit, so many wonderful community members that have a heart for foster care but don't want to be foster parents have found some kind of inroad in. Um, and then, like, I think it's up to eight or 10 of our volunteers that started off as volunteers are now foster parents themselves. So mm. intentionally, we're creating this kind of onboarding process where <laughs> it's like, get your toes wet. Okay, now get to work. We need you. Come on. <laughs> so you mean to tell me that there's a place where somebody that might be interested in foster care or even not even interested in doing it themselves can go and volunteer and like you said, get their toes wet. How do they do that and how do they connect? Yeah. So on our website, we just have a volunteer form and then um, we take them through a background check and a training. And then um, if they're working with kiddos, we give them a little additional training and then um, they're able to volunteer with us. So one of our biggest volunteer needs is just people that are able to deliver a welcome pack. And that is like the best thing for dipping your toes in and also seeing the real need in our city and being able to be like, oh, there's families in Concord. Oh, there's families in in Setchfield. There's families re really close to where I am. Um, and so that that's an easy win for people. But ever, everything from making lasagnas and putting it in our deep freezer to providing childcare for mm -hmm. a parent night out event, there's really lots of different ways to, to get involved. And I think it takes down this stigma of what people believe to be true about foster children. Mm -hmm. Like I said, everyone who comes into care has some kind of trauma, um, but it doesn't always act the way that we think it acts. And these kids are here because of a mistake or things that have happened to them. It's mm -hmm. not about them. Yeah. Um, and so anytime we can get volunteers in around our foster families, it kind of takes down the stigma of, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I can do this. Okay. Yes. We, we, we know that there's a place that's going to support us. And, um, these kids are, are, our city's children. So why not? My challenge, um, for, my fellow listeners out there, it doesn't matter what city or state you're listening to this or even international, that you kind of need to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk. What I mean by mm -hmm. that is you have a the, the Christian community as a whole, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw some shade on this community that I call myself a part of because a lot of times we, we love to come to our, our services on Sunday, get the feel-good thing about going out and living the Beatitudes, um, but we felt to actually – dive into our local community through volunteerism. We expect our city or state or tax dollars to actually do the walking for us when those entities are actually failing. So I challenge 
our listeners, it doesn't have to be necessarily foster care. It doesn't necessarily have to be something for the elderly. But I challenge you to go out there and find what your heart is truly passionate about and pair up with an organization like this um, to fill that gap because these are the people that are actually holding the system together, mm. you know, and putting that finger in the dike and, and not letting the, the dam break all the water to flood down the, the little villagers and the villagers cry out for help. I mean, this is, this is honestly, you guys are doing, I know, I know. you guys are actually doing the work. What's that? I got it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I, exactly. I challenge, and it's not just the Christian community. Also people are actually passionate about volunteerism and volunteerism through action. Get out there and actually do something instead of waiting for someone else to do it. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to be doing it. So get out there and do it. Uh, Becky, I can't tell you how much it meant to us. We went to a parents' night out. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm trying to not cry because I got to keep my man guard. But we uh, we didn't have a date for three months. And we found you guys, went to a parents' night out, and I got to have a, a dinner with my wife. And because of your volunteers and because of your organization, we were able to be human again for just a few moments. Um, and I can't tell you how much that meant to us as a couple and how much it meant to me personally. Um, you get so wrapped up in these kids and their daily struggles and court dates and, you know, GAL meetings and DSS meetings. And you kind of almost lose sight of who you are, and especially mm-hmm. as a couple. You forget who you guys are together and why you maybe even started this. And um, because of things that you guys do— allows those foster parents to reconnect to each other, to their their spirit, and give them hope to keep going. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you so much for that. It's so good to hear that because that's definitely what it's for. It's It's for families being able to take care of themselves so that they can take care of the kids in their home. And that's really, that's really, yes, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you. So people want to connect. People want to volunteer. People want to donate. Where do they go and and how do they do that? Yeah, best way is just to head to our website, fostervillagecharlotte.org. And if you are in other cities, I failed to mention this earlier, but we're the first affiliates out of state for a for foster village Austin in Austin, Texas. So we actually flew to Austin um, and met with uh, the executive director and asked her if she would start an affiliation model. And she gave us, um, you know, a run for our money. At first, she was like, "No, no, I don't think so." And we're like, "No, our city needs this. This is going to happen." And so she um, said yes to us. And, and there's a few other foster villages that are launching now Mm. in Texas. And the hope is that it can go across, um, the United States. So, you know, foster village, Charlotte is us, but you can also, if you're not in North Carolina, go to foster village, Inc, inc.org. And you can learn more about other, um, villages around, um, the country. And, um, yeah, you can find our volunteer and our, our donation spot on there as well. Just promise me if you guys ever do a commercial, do not do the catchy jingle from the village's retirement community. Do you remember that one? No. no. <laughs> oh, my God. You'll have to YouTube that later. You'll have to Google that. Or a Sarah McLaughlin uh, video. Yeah, do not do the Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, gosh, uh, no. Like that. No, no. We're about hope. We're about hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that just makes me want to turn the channel. <laughs> 
Becky, again, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll we'll cross paths soon. Yes, and uh, thanks for coming yes, on the show. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for tuning in once again to the Southern Fry Philosophy Podcast. You can find us on our website at southernfryphilosophy.com. Don't forget we have playable links there. You can also find us on our Facebook page where I love to pay, post stupid memes. Um, Baby Yoda is my new favorite. I love that one. So cute. Did you see the mural in Noda? No, I did not. Someone painted Baby Yoda on a wall. <laughs> Baby Yoda is in Noda. Nah. Just saying it. But the, the, the meme with the uh, Baby Yoda and the chicken Sammy. Or the chick, yeah, yeah, you gotta see that one. That's great. So there's a Chick Fil A. Okay, okay, Boomer one's my favorite. One. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that one either. <laughs> so yeah, just check us out on the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast on uh, Facebook. So you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter's SFP Radio. Most importantly, is go to wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe, uh, give us a review or a rating. We really appreciate that. Share your favorite episodes. Uh, we enjoy checking our um, stats and seeing the new listeners we pick up from. I guess the next city is what? G? K? K. K. So yeah, see if we can get some Ks out there. We appreciate you guys. Um, Yeah, and also, like I always say, if you're not signed up to be an organ donor, please go uh, check out Donate Life or uh, Carolina Share if you're in the local uh, Carolina area. But also, if you just, these nonprofits out there like Life Share, you can register to be a donor, find out more facts about that. Uh, Producer Brian uh, learned me something a couple weeks ago about the, uh, you can actually sign up to be a donor on your phone now. Yep, the health app on iOS. Yeah, so that that's pretty cool. So yeah, guys, check it out. Save someone's life. Find out that Cliffy is an organ donor. Busy. Go Cliffy. Oh, Papa Cliffy. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Uh, and as always, Corn Pop was a bad dude. You went through a tunnel. Yeah, and then and then I woke up and I said, "You dog." I think we, I said, okay. <laughs> I wish I, I wish we could get you anesthetized again and actually sit you get you to say corn pop was a bad dude. <laughs> corn pop was a bad dude. You're listening to the SFP Radio Network.